Hello, everybody. It's lovely to know that you're listening in. Uh, you're welcome to Saltbox today, and welcome to everyone here. Uh, this is running up to Christmas. Now, I don't know what your memories are of Christmas. My memories from the age of about eight was to go out every night for two weeks in the village I was raised in England, a little village called Turner's Hill, 800 residents, and we'd go out every night singing to every house in uh, Turner's Hill. I loved it. I knew every Christmas carol, every words, and it was such fun. The one night I hated was the night we went to a home for retired ministers, retired clergy, and, uh, you know, they were very old, like I am now. And um, they gave us this disgusting thing to drink. It was ginger wine. I don't know if you've ever had it. Don't have it if you've never had it. Ignore it. But uh, it was such a privilege. I loved going out carol singing and uh, got this really in the Christmas spirit. And uh, you may be facing Christmas this year, thinking, what has this year been? What a crazy year we've lived through with elections and COVID and... Oh, we're exhausted. Lights went up very quickly this year, didn't they? And, um, and yet some of the razzmatazz isn't there because we don't want to go shopping so much. And we don't want to be out in, in the world as much as we were. May this bring us a very different taste of Christmas this year. May we center on the truth of Jesus and his coming to this earth for us. I'm not a sentimental person, so my husband is, so it causes a bit of tension, you know, in your family. But um, <laughs> there's one thing I've collected, and only one thing over my life, uh, well, I'm sure there were things when I was a child, but I can't think what they were. I love having had a life of traveling around a lot of the world, collecting creches from different countries. So I've given away a whole load, but I've still got over 20 from all sorts of parts of the world. Some made out of banana skin, some made out of mud from the riverside, some wood, all sorts of images. So this is one from Haiti. I think it's very clever because it's got Mary, Joseph, a lamb, baby Jesus, a shepherd, and another sheep, and the wise men, all out of one branch. Very skilled carpenter. Don't know who he was, but I'm very fond of that one. We look at Christmas and we think of, we can get sentimental, we can think of pretty mangers and, you know, Mary always wears a blue dress. I'm always fascinated by that. Wears a blue dress and a white scarf. Can you imagine giving birth in a long blue dress? I couldn't do it. But uh, we, can, we have a sterilized straw in an air-conditioned stable in our vision. This was the dirtiest, stinkiest place to be born. Can you imagine it today? We wouldn't like it if we gave birth on the floor here, but a manger. We went into uh, the caves in Shepherd's Field a couple of years ago, and there's a cave, and it shows where the fires were in the cave. The ceiling is completely blackened from all the fires over the years. A manger is not 
a lovely little wooden crib with sort of cross legs, you know, like we see all the time. A manger is a hole carved out of the wall of a cave. It may be like two feet long, about 15, 18 inches high, and about the same depth, carved out rock in the side of the wall of the cave. So the animals would eat from the food put in that hole, that cave, that manger. And that's probably where Jesus was born, in a place just like that. You know, it's funny, I'm a woman. I don't think it's funny that I'm a woman, but normally when a woman speaks, she talks on Ruth or Priscilla or Mary and Martha. I've got the privilege of talking about a man today. Can you believe it? I've been liberated. So uh, that's very excited. I'm very excited. And I want to talk to you about the least spoken about member of that Christmas scenario. Joseph. It's Mary and Joseph, but do we know that much about Joseph? Do we ever think about the person of Joseph, who he was really like? And um, why should we bother with him? I mean, he didn't give birth. He didn't come from the shepherd's fields. He didn't travel from Persia. But Joseph is so, so significant in the Christmas story. Let's turn to Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Sorry, I feel there's an echo around. Are we okay? Matthew 1, 18, uh, Matthew 1, 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Jesus, Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Very familiar story, isn't it? Joseph being on the sidelines, being there in the background. Who is he? How was he viewed as a man? It's very significant. Joseph is a man who moves in the supernatural. Do you know, he has four supernatural dreams in the, in the Christmas story. He expects God to speak and direct him. And it was through those dreams that he knew what to do. He gets revelation of what he should do and what the family should do. And the Bible, above all, calls Joseph 
a righteous man. Now, we all look at people and say, oh, that person's a really difficult person, or that person is not very nice to know, or that person's a wonderful person. Well, Joseph unanimously was called a righteous man. He could not give himself that title. A righteous man, which is Zadik, T-Z-A-D-I-K in Hebrew, is the name given in a community for someone who really lives a righteous life, someone who is a good man, someone morally upright, someone to respect. And so powerful was he in a community if there was no rabbi around, the Sadiq would take that responsibility. Often it was someone who was a carpenter or a mason who took that role, but it was an acknowledgement of the goodness of the person holding that title. So Joseph is a righteous man. Joseph was righteous. He wasn't self-righteous. He, he earned the title. He did not bestow it upon himself. He was righteous and he was very kind. Sometimes those two don't go together. If you think of a rabbi, you might think of them very distant or um, someone who's very strict on what should happen and what shouldn't happen. But he was truly a very righteous man. And uh, he he was trusted, he was honest, he was upright. He was obviously a lot older than Mary. We think that Mary was probably 12 to 14, something like that, which was the tradition of that day. <laughs> I don't think Joseph would have been a righteous man at 12 or 14. He was obviously a lot older, maybe in his 30s, late 30s, could possibly even be older. He is not heard of after Jesus and Mary left Jesus behind in the temple. So, he could have been a very legalistic, righteous man. You know, oh dear, we always do it like this. Now you, Mary, have gone off and got pregnant. You could imagine the vitriolic speech. So if he had been a, in that way, Joseph would ex- have exposed Mary to the community, to the village, and she very likely would have been stoned to death. But no, Joseph loves Mary, and he very just wants to quietly take her to one side and they would just divorce quietly on the side. No. He wanted to protect her. He was kind. He didn't want to see her beaten up. He didn't want to see her destroyed by the community, much as he had every right to do that. Joseph was righteous and flexible. Joseph wakes up from the dream and he obeys the angel. The angel says, go and look after that wife. Go and look after her. He changed his plans. He wasn't going to divorce Mary. He was going to stand by her because God had revealed the truth to him. He took Mary home as his wife in the Jewish understanding. Now, betrothal is a very different thing from engagement. Betrothal happens today in the Middle East. Um, Betrothal is when a father would go to the parents of the girl and make an arrangement for them to end up being married. It would be, um, there would be dowries exchanged. It would be a legal 
contract, vows would be taken. Now, when those took place, the man and the woman did not sleep together. They weren't engaged. They wouldn't date before the betrothal. And for a year after the betrothal, they would be apart. They may not even see each other. And uh, then the marriage would be consummated. I lived in Lebanon when I was 18. I did the British equivalent of Peace Corps. Had a brilliant year. If any of you have uh, kids growing up and they want to do a gap year, strongly recommended. It was wonderful. And uh, I was in a place called Einsalter on the mountains of Lebanon. And one night there was terrific noise, lots of music, lots of dancing, lots of lights. And I was fascinated. It's such fun. That was the betrothal night. It's celebrated. But if you want to break up a betrothal, it's more dangerous, it's more difficult than breaking up a marriage. It's far harder to divorce from a betrothal than it is from a marriage. So it's very sacred, taken very seriously. Joseph and Mary were betrothed to each other. They had never slept together and they didn't consummate the marriage until Jesus had been born. And that tradition still happens in much of the world today. Then that, and Joseph, he's such a character. He's so flexible. He's so sensitive to God's calling, to God speaking to him through dreams. And when the angel says, don't divorce this woman, take her, and, and Jesus will be born, be flexible, be flexible to the Holy Spirit. And I think that's a word for lots of us. We can be so self-righteous. We know this. This is what should happen. This is what should happen in the church. This is how we should live. And if you dare go against it, you'll be in big trouble. I love grace. God is a God of grace. God is a God of compassion and mercy and trust. And he loves us through and through. And God in his wonderful picture of how Jesus will come to this earth, he uses a man like Joseph, a man righteous, honoured in the community, to be the stepfather of Jesus. So Joseph was righteous and kind. That's a word we need a lot in this world today, to be kind to one another. Joseph was righteous and flexible. And Joseph was righteous and considerate. In Luke 2, we know that famous story of the shepherds coming to see Jesus. But before they arrived, Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, I was expecting a child, and while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Joseph was righteous, and he was a very considerate man. Mary did not have to go to Bethlehem. Normally, a woman wouldn't travel. The man had to go to the, the place of his birth. Joseph was born in Bethlehem. 
and they had to go there every 14 years to register. It was a census, and it was for tax purposes. We've just done a census this year for tax and purposes, but I don't know how efficient it was this year with all, everything else we faced. We'll probably be paying twice as many taxes next year to make up for the deficit. But um, Joseph and Mary had to do this. Well, Joseph had to. Mary had to because Joseph could not risk her staying at home. If she had stayed at home, the chances were that she would have been stoned to death for bringing such disgrace on Nazareth. Can you really imagine someone saying, Now, Mary, why did you get into such trouble? Why are you pregnant? Oh, well, the Holy Spirit came and impregnated me. I, the baby is... Oh, doesn't really... I don't think many people would believe it, do you? They'd think, oh, yes, that's a big excuse. Yeah, that's a story and a half. But that's the truth. Jesus was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and Joseph was merely the stepfather. Dare I say merely, stepfathers are very significant. But um, so Joseph took her on a journey of 90 miles on a donkey in a terrible terrain. The journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem is very barren. It's very bleak. It's very hilly, mountainous. It's terribly dry, terribly dusty. It's not a journey that is easy necessarily even today. But here, at eight months pregnant, bumping on a donkey through terrible terrain for hours and days. That's what Mary and Joseph went through for Jesus to be born safely in Bethlehem. I can't imagine it. I really can't imagine what it must be like. I mean, when we're, for those of us who've been pregnant, we don't half moan when it gets near the end because we can't wait to give birth. But what in such incredible terrain. They were a very poor couple. They had very little. In the temple, they could only offer two pigeons because they couldn't afford a lamb or anything more. Mary and Joseph lived by the very tough times and the actual magnitude of that birth. They didn't go to Bethlehem with hotel appoint, you know, hotel vouchers for the night. They had nowhere to lay. We've added all sorts of things to the story. We have no, no, nothing in scripture actually says they were in an inn or anything. There's not even an innkeeper actually in scripture. It's amazing how we love to add the bits and pieces. But it was very tough. And that's where my Jesus was born and your Jesus too. I had an interesting birth with my number three. Um, and I got scared in this. Absolutely nothing compared with the birth of Jesus. But I had three under three and a half, so, you know, a little handful. And Clive was on tour with Graham Kendrick. Some of you have met Graham. And Clive and Graham were on a, I don't know, 50-day tour or something, and they were going on these journeys, coming home at night, 200 miles, 300 miles, 150 miles. And then they, Clive had a stretch of four days, which were all the other side of England, 
and uh, horrible journeys from our house. So me being, um, I thought I was being very spiritual, said, Dunning, you can't possibly come home every night from there. I won't let it. The Lord won't allow this baby to come till you get home. So go away for four nights and enjoy it. And when you come back on Monday, whew, baby will come. And I was absolutely convinced of this. So I sent Clive off. He didn't want to go stay. I mean, he didn't want to stay away, but he, he wanted to go to with Graham and do the tour. Well, guess what? Um, sort of about two o'clock the next morning, things started happening. Now I had a girl staying with me to be, help me with the two little ones. And I went to the bathroom, thinking I wanted to go to the toilet, <laughs> being a bit personal. But... Uh, I actually was in labor. And she asked me, Ruth, are you all right? I said, well, I think I'm giving birth. I think the baby's coming. She was freaked out. She ran out the house trying to find anyone in the street who could help her. There are not too many people walking around at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. And uh, cut a long story short, I had a baby in the bathroom. And I was terrified. This wasn't what I'd signed up for. Um, where was God? I felt totally desperate. And uh, when Clive got back about 6.30 in the morning, he said, well, when are you having the baby? Came into the hospital. By then, I'm in hospital. And I said, I've had it. Um, you know how. <laughs> but that was a time of deep searching for me. But to be Mary, with nothing, with no modcoms, no running water, no, the only thing that we know, they had cloths to wrap our baby Jesus in. What a woman of faith and trust, and what an honourable, righteous man with her. So Joseph was righteous and obedient. Matthew 2, 13 to 14. reads like this. This is after the wise men have just left Mary and Joseph. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son. And later, verse 19, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. Mary and Joseph and Jesus had just had that amazing visit from the wise men. You can imagine all the, the wonder, the wealth, the opulence of the, however many wise men were that came to visit them. Then Joseph falls asleep. And the angel of the Lord visits him and says, get up, take your family now, go through the night, get to Egypt so that your baby is not killed by Herod. He was a man of action. He was obedient to God's word into his life. 
talk about from at that stage from wealth to dire poverty. Jesus was born homeless. Now he's a refugee. I think those are two very, very big problems in our world today. Homelessness, we have a lot of it here in Wilmington. Homelessness across this nation. Refugees around the world. Many, many of our brothers and sisters are fleeing for their lives today, running, leaving their country of birth to try and get somewhere where they can be safe and where they can worship Jesus. It's a huge issue. I have dear friends in a country where they are desperately wanting just refugee status. They have fled for their lives because they're Christians, because they love Jesus. They're now in a country where they are leading many Christians as pastors in a, in a community, but they don't even have refugee status. If you don't get the refugee status, you have no identity at all. No card, no bank account, no driver's license, no identity of any sort. You are a nobody, no occupation, no means of income. I just want to say that many of our brothers and sisters who know and love Jesus, who we will be living with forever in eternity, are living in that situation today. It's beyond belief. And yet they're still faithfully walking with Jesus. We can get so gooey-eyed about the Christmas story. We can make it all glitzy and glit and makes us go, ooh, Christmas is coming, and those silky sort of slippery songs we hear in the stores. And What is Christmas all about? It's the wonder of my Jesus coming to earth in the most vulnerable of situations. You have a baby in your arms, and you think, if I drop this baby now, something terrible could happen. That's how vulnerable the baby is. But Joseph was an amazing man who walked with his wife through this journey. An obedient man, a kind man, a just man, a righteous man. He was a stepfather. And some of you are stepfathers. And being a stepfather can be a very tricky role, but it's such an honourable and such a privilege to walk in the life with a, a child, children, who you were not actually fathering. I think it says an awful lot for a man who will do that and do it with love and grace. That child may never have had a loving father, may never have had the love and respect but you have that opportunity. Do it to God's glory, if that's the role you're in. For some of you are fathers, in the physical sense of the word, tell your children about Jesus. Don't leave it to the woman, as so many men do. That's what the women do. I can be the man and go out fishing and do my own thing. Men. You have the privilege of raising children to know and love the Lord Jesus. It's a huge responsibility. And it's one to take with joy 
Joseph took it as a stepfather. Men, take it as a father. God has given you those kids as precious gifts. There's nothing more I ever have wanted in my life than to see my children know and love Jesus. I don't want to get to heaven. And now the people are there because I've talked to them about Jesus and led them to Jesus and my kids aren't there. Pray for your children. Love them. Stand with them. Be obedient. Be courageous. Live dangerously for Jesus. Don't comply them up with presents galore. Think you can sort everything out by giving the best presents you could ever give at Christmas. Share the Jesus you love with them. Let's lots of children, lots of adults today find it very hard to understand the Father heart of God because they haven't had a loving father. It's a concept that's so difficult. You've been marginalized, neglected. Fathers walked out, drunken stupors. You can think of the situations. As you father your children, may it reflect your father heart's love for you that you might be men who are righteous, who are flexible, who are gracious, who are loving, or grandfathers the same. One of my greatest joys in my life is to see my husband cradling his grandkids and praying for them at night time, and the kids come running for it. What a privilege to be loved by a father heart to reflect the Father heart of God to them. So men and women, we're responsible to men be the men God longs for you to be. Don't give up. Don't think you've arrived. None of us have arrived. We've all got a heck of a long way to do. I want to finish well. If I'm not doing well, beat me up, moan at me, do whatever is necessary that I keep on that path. I want to finish well. I want to arrive in glory and receive a well-done, good and faithful servant. Men, be the men God wants you to be. Be like Joseph. It's not weak to be righteous and recognised as such by the people around you. We live in a day where it's men have got to be macho and you've got to do this and the other. If you're macho, fine, but reflect the beauty and the love of God in your life and don't let that sort of macho business take control be kind we need to see that word expressed in our world today don't we be kind to one another loving to one another be loving we have Missy was leading worship last Sunday she's not here she's away today but three ten days ago three of us went to help Missy as she was packing up Bags galore with makeup and toiletries and things. And every year she does this, and these things get taken out to women in shelters, women hiding somewhere, just to bless them, to give them some sense of joy. Makeup may sound, oh, that's a bit trivial. No, it brings great joy to people's lives. And this, if as Christians we're, we're behind that, what a joy for those women. You, if you're giving to people who are hurting... You can give the reason why you're doing it. It's because you love Jesus. Be flexible as God reveals different aspects of a situation to you. And please, let's learn to say, I am sorry. 
I got it wrong. Be people ready to admit the fault and live with grace. And be obedient to God's will and direction. And trust him in the midst of it, however hard it may seem. I like, I don't like it, but I've been rather naughty over the years at fighting God's will on my life. Because it hasn't fitted, my husband's shaking his head like mad. It hasn't fitted with what I've wanted to do. And so I fight. And then I think, what on earth am I doing fighting God? Do I love him so, so shallowly that I think I have the nerve to fight him? Or do I recognize that God loves me so much and he knows what's best for me? How are we living? Are we living dangerously? Are we out on a limb with God? Whatever he asks, we will do. Do we trust him? Are we obedient to his call on his life? Are we expecting God to work in the supernatural in our lives? Joseph had four dreams that told him exactly what to do. That makes life a lot easier. It doesn't complicate life. If God said to me, now, hey, Jen, do this. It's a bit hard to, to contradict God. But recognize what an incredible guy Joseph was. Right in the background, we're looking at different figures in the Christmas story who are not as well known as others. But he's a man who lived in a way that glorifies God and that our lives, if we're lived in the hands of Jesus, living and doing whatever he asks us to do, obedient to his call, trusting him, being fathers that demonstrate the father heart of God to our kids, to our grandkids, nephews, nieces, whatever we have, and ready to stand up for truth and righteousness. We get so ready to stand up for other things, but what about truth and righteousness? And to demonstrate what God has done for us and in us and through us to a world that wants to know what is Christianity all about? Is it what we're against? Or is it who we stand for, live for, and bring glory to his name? Christmas is coming. Two weeks' time, it will be over. Sorry about that. But uh, I trust you will have a very happy Christmas. In England, we say happy Christmas because merry means you get drunk. But that's an aside. <laughs> but um, may you have a very special Christmas. May Jesus be very real to you. May Jesus be at the heart of what you do. And if you aren't able to speak openly because your family don't know and love the Lord, be praying your guts off. Praying that you might have some input in your family Christmas this year for God's glory. Bless you, each one.